Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Grace Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. It's our scripture study podcast where we skip through the scriptures. <laughs> I was trying to think of another the cooler verb or something. Skip, yeah. Come through the scriptures. I guess we do skip some parts. That's why it's called Don't Miss This, by the way, as we're trying to point out the things we think you don't want to miss. Um, but you'll find out today, man, that's so hard. And there's so much good stuff that is um, that's just sprinkled throughout the second half of the New Testament. I feel like the second half of the New Testament is famous for one-liners that you could just like, hold on, like do a whole Instagram post on. You yeah. know, you're just like, that's such a good line. That's such a good you line. You just want to catch Anthems. Yeah. yeah. You know, things yeah. like that. So as you go through, that is so helpful. Again, here's another tip. And for, we have a lot of people asking about those other translations of, of the Bible. Um, two things that I think are helpful there. It's in the New Church Handbook under... Like the policies down the very end where it talks about like other translations of the Bible. And it talks about the King James Bible is the one that we should probably use in classes for just unity's sake and clarity. And it's got the JST and it has the footnotes and all of those things. But then it also has that line that was added that says other translations are helpful for understanding the scripture and for the study of it. And our favorite app is just called Holy Bible. It's it's just brown. It's the one with all the, <laughs> right? It's with all the reviews on it. The most popular one. It's got all those different translations in there. And so remember, that's so helpful when you're coming across verses that you don't understand to read that, read the other translation of the Bible to figure out, oh, okay, that's what's kind of being said. And then the King James translation just has some of the prettiest language, I think. So sometimes it's nice just like you have that phrase that's in there. That you're like, oh man, that's like a, that's such a power phrase, you know? And now I know what it means, you know? <laughs> like, oh, okay, that is yeah, good. But it's that a good, good one. It's a good one. For example, today's title is a phrase from this lesson from 2 Corinthians, the God of all comfort. And right, right off the bat, you're already won over by the fact that just like, oh, yeah. Um, and I love that we're going to say he's the God of all comfort, which means in every situation and anything that's lacking or anything that's needed in a relationship or somebody's life or whatever the problem is, He's the God of all comfort. Like he doesn't, for all situations, and he has all supply of it. He doesn't run out of it either. Mm. And so there's something neat about that. I love, we don't have a new tip-in for 2 Corinthians that we're starting today. The tip-in that went with 1 Corinthians goes with 1 and 2 Corinthians. Um, and so if you haven't put that in, you can put it on either of them. I'd probably put it in 1 Corinthians, so it's there for both of them. But we wrote this on this tip-in. For 2 Corinthians, which says, 2 Corinthians is considered by some to have Paul's most personal language of all of his epistles. And I think today, for sure, you're going to notice some of that. Like, he really talks about his own, like, fears, some of his frustrations. He talks about experiences that were really hard for him. Um, he talks about the what his friendships mean to him. Um, later on in the second half, next time when we teach, he's going to talk about some of his personal struggles and his prayers to overcome some of those. And so you, you get a lot into the personality of, of Paul in 2 Corinthians, which I think is 
exciting. And it's so cute because we already love him so much that then once you start reading this, you're like, wait, like, no, I really do feel like we're friends. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you get, you, you just see a real life here. So um, yeah. this is, again, a letter to the city of Corinth, right, which is in Greece. It's not very far from Athens. And he's been there and um, left, wrote a letter to them, 1 Corinthians. A lot of Bible scholars think there's another letter in between 1 and 2 Corinthians that was written that we don't have anymore. And that letter was probably one that was trying to correct the city a little bit that we don't really have. For, there was a problem happening there. And Paul's going to talk about like when he went there, that like he had a really like traumatic experience being there. Someone did him dirty when he was in Corinth. And he kind of reflects on that. And now this third letter to the, to the city of Corinth. But because we only have two, it's called Second Corinthians <laughs> in the Bible. So anyways, that's a little Bible nerd stuff for people who are into that. And we are going to jump in to uh, some of the things that we love in Second Corinthians. Um, starting with just the very beginning of the letter. Remember, Paul is a winner at the beginning of letters. He really jumps off the block strong in every single one of these letters. <laughs> but he uses this phrase to all the saints in Corinth. Uh, in verse three, he says, blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And uh, we talked about that already, just a little bit of that idea. That word comfort, by the way, can be a word that's translated as um, like make you feel better. But um, most of the time, the Greek that it's coming from is this idea of to strengthen you to uh, give you like, um, let me just read it. <laughs> An act of God in giving strength oh. to endure, not necessarily just to feel better. And I think both of them are powerful definitions that he will be there as that blanket, you know, comforter. But also that word of comfort also means an act of God in giving strength to be able to endure some sort of situation. The Latin of it is comfortis, that with strength. That, that his presence gives enough strength to be able to endure. And so the question here in the journal, which I think is really cool to just consider to be a great question for a class also, is when has God been the father of mercies and the God of all comfort to you? Um, there's a couple scriptures in here as he keeps going that I think are, are going to be really cool in considering what it's like for him to be the God of all comfort. Um, but let's introduce this. The name for Jesus for the week is mercy. I actually love that he says he's the father of Jesus Christ, the father of mercies, um, mm. which is neat. Um, that almost there's a, makes him a synonym, you know, a synonym with his name, you know. Yeah. And I do love, we have mercy here as singular. I really love mercy that it's plural just because it's not a one-time event. Uh, mercy isn't a one-time act. Mercies, like he um, there's that psalm that says his his mercies renew every morning. And I love thinking about them in that plural sense. But this is the name of him you can think about for the week. The Greek of this one, the object of compassion by word or deed. And that is what makes that question so cool is when has God shown you mercies, plural, through different words or different deeds, um, through divine grace, through some kind of kindness. It's just... It's just awesome to remember and re-root ourselves in 
He's the God who gives strength and he is the God of mercies. You know, particularly in a situation where it feels like Paul's been done wrong and, you know, their, their relationships on the rocks or was or something, just even in something like that, it's neat to see him as the God of comfort and, and mercies. Verse four says, who comforteth us in all our tribulations. Um, keep going down. There's more I want to add on to this um, because in addition to it being the name of the week, the journal page for today is this. Um, it just has this line up here that says, my joy is. And sometimes one of the things that gets us through a difficult tribulation is remembering and reflecting on how good God has been and how good he currently is. And then also anticipating his promises of how good he will be. So we left this blank page in the journal where you can just fill it. Sometimes things in the scriptures are going to spark some thoughts. You're like, oh my gosh, that's true about him. I'm going to write that down. That's awesome. And then of course, your own life story where you're just like, this is where he has given strength. This is where he has given mercy. And you'll find out that throughout maybe the whole lesson today, you're going to continually find stuff that you might want to add, you know, onto, onto this page, but an awesome one to just give somebody and just be like, Hey, um, write down where he has been good where he is currently being good and the promises he has made to be good. And there is strength in remembering that. And starting with that, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's Mm -hmm. so interesting to me that that's how he wanted to start. He's like, before I say anything else, let me help you remember he's good. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I had just barely like the beginning of this week, I was having kids do this in my seminary class. And I heard one girl mumble under her breath. It was like the very end. I was about to like move on from like the little activity and um, I just heard a girl mumble under her breath, hmm, I didn't really think anything good happened to me today. Huh. And then she said, this surprised me. Oh. And then I just want to say, don't you think it's so cute that maybe the Father of Mercy likes to surprise you? Yes. You know? Then and, it's like, oh. And overwhelm you. You know how yeah. Like life can overwhelm you? Where it's just like this after this after this after this. And once you get on that trajectory, it's just like, it's almost like it, it's way more noticeable and more things are happening. But God can put us on a different trajectory, like a trajectory of comfort and mercies of, and surprise. Overwhelmingly. You know? Overwhelmed where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like you could end and just be like, he really is so good. I like in this verse that Paul goes to worst case scenario. It <laughs> <and laughs> says this in verse eight. This is still chapter one. For we would not, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia? We just want to let you know, like we have had a really, really hard time here. And, and we were pressed out of measure, um, just wrung out we, above our strength in so much that we despaired even of life. And I, this is a freight where you're just like, we thought we were going to die. It was so hard. We had no more strength. We were just don't you love that imagery of like wrung out where you're just like, there is nothing left in us. We are on complete empty and we are ragged. And he says this, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. And so I, I think that's like so awesome that he gets to a spot where he's just like, we were going to die. And then he says, Good thing we believe in a God who raises the dead. <laughs> you know? Lucky. That's lucky. <laughs> right? Where he's just yeah. like, I went to worst case scenario and realized 
Even then. Actually, God has mercies and comforts for even death. Oh, he has a solution for even the worst, even case. the worst case scenario. And I like that that he goes there. This is such a good line. You're going to die over this one. Scroll down to the, or whatever you do with paper, <laughs> um, down to verse 20. Where he says this. This is such a good line. For all the promises of God in him are yes. Because of Jesus, all of his promises are yes. And it got me thinking about that phrase. Like all promises in him are yes. And I started to think about the fact that like, okay, when I see him, like I remember how committed God is to me. And so I, every promise that's yet unfulfilled, all I need to do is look at the story of Jesus and realize he fulfills promises. They are still a yes. They're not yet, but they are a yes. Like all promises are guaranteed and the story of Jesus shows that. The story of Jesus shows that after 38 years, someone does get healed. And the story of Jesus shows that even if your life looks like crucifixion Friday, there's still love in it. And the story of Jesus shows that if everything looks disastrous in one morning's time, everything can be reversed. And we realize looking at that, the story of Jesus that God's promises are, they are a yes. And then he says this in 20, and in him, amen. And that word amen, it, they would use it in like practice, liturgical practices and stuff. It comes from a word that means to be faithful. It comes from this idea of, I believe in the faithfulness of God. Mm. Like I believe that you have the ability and you have the heart to fulfill all of your promises. And don't you want to think about that every time you say that word at the end of your prayer? Where you're just like, I'm going to beg you and I'm going to petition and I'm going to like ask for things. And in the end of it, I'm going to say amen. And I'm going to trust your goodness. And also I'm going to like trust your faithfulness. And it's just like, I know the answer in there is yes to, you know, what I really need and what I really want. And I'm just going to trust that you will do it. Isn't that awesome? He's the yes and he's the amen. And I'm just like, oh, so awesome. And don't you just love to think like, oh, what a powerful way to end a prayer. It's almost like with another baby prayer. Like, oh yeah, like, don't worry. Like, I'm yeah. going to, like, this is my, this is my prayer. Like, I trust you. Right. Like, I just word. want you to know. I just want you to know. Like whatever happens, it's okay. Right. Yeah. I trust like that it's you're yours. good. Right. Yeah. And I have evidence of it. And part of that evidence is the story of, of Jesus. I see yeah. that. And he gives us another one in verse 22 where he says, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. Now that earnest is the same way we use the phrase earnest money. That when you buy a house, you give a little bit of a down payment, a little bit of earnest money that says, I'm committed to buying this house. And if I don't, I lose this money. I don't get it back. It's like this commitment that you like, you're like, hey, I'm going to put some skin in the game here. I'm going to say like, for sure, uh, I'm committed to the actual purchase, the actual like following through on the contract. And God has not fulfilled all of his promises yet. He, they are still promises right? That's a future tense, like looking for, but he has given us the earnest of the spirit. He has given us like the confirmation of the spirit that comes in and says, 
I'm just going to give you a little down payment here to know that he is not done with your story, that there is still more yet to happen, that he is still going to fulfill these promises. When we have an experience with the Holy Spirit, that's an earnest. It's a down payment that says, this is just a little hint while you're in this world of sorrows that there is like there, there is the glory to come. There are the promises to be fulfilled. And we, we can hold on to those. Those can be strength for us, you know, in those times. Those, that's a mercy that he would give us a glimpse of the future, a little like sparkle of, of what, is, what is to come. So that's a phrase I love from Paul, that earnest of the spirit. And the way that he talks about it, almost like he's saying, you can bet on him. Yeah. Like when it's risky, and when you're not sure, and like in the middle of the mess, like don't worry, I will tell you that the answer is yes, but also he's going to prove it even in the middle of the mess that you can bet on him. Right. He's going to show up. Yeah. Not he did. Just a little bit. of Yeah. 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 And he did. He did. And yeah. we find out later, well, I'm giving a little hint of the, of the future here in something Paul says. <laughs> what? It was such a weird way to say that. <laughs> you know, like I was a gypsy or something or whatever. The, um, where he says... That Christ is the image of the Father. So we actually get a good look at the character of God, the Father, by looking at the story. We have a story here, the first half of the New Testament, of what the heart and character of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are. Like we have a mm. walking, talking picture of it. The greatest of all, the greatest picture of all is on, on Calvary's Hill, where we really see one something go from terribly disastrous to amazingly glorious, but we see commitment and we see faithfulness and we see like, I will not give up on you. You can, you, you are, you are secure. Your future is secure in, in me. I promise this is the best investment that you can make. Which just makes you fall in love with covenants because then don't you just want to be like, Oh, of course I want to be in a covenant relationship with someone like that. Right, right. Because he's going to make a promise to me as much as I'm going to make yes. a promise to him. I know that's eighth grade, eighth grade, eight-year-old talk of a two-way promise. But I was actually thinking this week about the fact that sometimes I forget about the fact that like, I'm so, when I say yes to him and commit, like I realize, like right here in verse 20, he's like, I've already said, I said yes to you. And I put a down payment down. I know you come hesitantly and I let you, but I want you to know I made the first move. I put the money down first. Like I, I said yes in the beginning. Like I love that he's like, I'm, the, I'm alpha and omega, which means I will make the first move and I will make the last move in this relationship. And it, it's risky yeah. to enter into any kind of relationship. This is the least risky. Yeah. Of- well, and that's what I'm obsessed with, with this whole, like everything that you just talked about is I want to say, think about how many people, you know, like people talk about like attachment issues all the time right now. And I want to be like, think about how many people we know that struggle so deeply with attachment. It's hard. And once you've been broken, it's even harder. Yeah. Attachment or betrayed is, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a disaster. It's a right. mess. Right. right. And I love that the core of this is he wants to say, listen. You can be broken and have been betrayed and you can be nervous and you can be hesitant. And I'm going to prove to you 100 times over that I am a thousand percent in. Yeah. 
I'm not even hesitating. Right. You don't have to be anxious when you're wondering about this relationship mm-hmm. because I'm 100% in. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think any relationship is certain because I think the opposite of certainty is actually faith. Yeah. I don't think faith and doubt are opposites. I think the opposite of faith is actually certainty. Like, it leaves you like, oh, I'm not 100. Yeah, like, I'm you not. Didn't, you didn't give a full payment. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Like, as far as yeah. like, it's not all, all the promises aren't fulfilled yet. And there's still like a, a You're in the middle. Of, yeah, I'm still in the middle. But he's like, I put, I put the earnest in. You can see. Yeah. He's you can there. See and, and you can count my mercies. And you can count the comfort that's come. Like, I'm involved in the story right now. And I think it would be a mistake for somebody to um, now hear these words and assume, I mean, like, oh, nothing, nothing wrong happens. Like, there's guarantees for whatever you want and however you want it's it. It's always and, a yes. And, right. And it's always a yes. Um, we have to know what he's talking about here. In fact, maybe it's this last thought for this section here. I think if you go over to chapter four for just a second, we'll come back to the other ones. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> Paul says some words that have been such a um, a strength to me. They've, uh, they've been a mercy to me where he says this in verse eight and nine. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. So the promise isn't you won't be troubled, but the promise is it won't ruin you. The promise isn't you won't be perplexed, but you won't go into utter despair. Like there will always be hope. There will always be comfort. There will always be mercy. And I love those words. I love thinking about, man, when things have gone so wrong that you can actually stand there and say, but down bubbling under the surface, is this fountain of, of hope. I feel it deep in me. And that is, that's the yes, that's the comfort, that's the mercy that, that comes from God. Like out here, Paul says a couple times, we look beat up on the outside. <laughs> you know, he says that somewhere in here, you're gonna have to find out, I'm sorry. It might come up. We look beat up on the outside, but deep down in, we're renewed every day. Like we feel life inside. And, and I think, that would be a, a good thing to add on to what we're talking about here. So this could be really a really cool worksheet to fill out and just say like, oh, this is where I've seen comfort. Maybe this is where I've seen verses eight and nine. These and to the, say, yeah. the father of mercies is going to show up on the good days and the bad days. Yeah, yes. Paul says that in here too somewhere. And yeah. I can't remember where either. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to know. It might come up as we go through yeah, it all. Like, we'll see. see that it's highlighted. And if not, so, you'll find it. Yeah, You're going to love tuned. it. Stay tuned. It's only yeah. seven chapters, y'all. You're yeah. going to find it this yeah. time. It's great. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's go on to the second section. Um, what happens now, and David kind of explained this already, Paul gets super real with his life circumstances. And he kind of has already hinted at it. Like, just so you know, this has not been easy. But he starts telling this experience that kind of almost unpacks that to a deeper level of like, no, actually, I was going through it. Like I was actually having a really hard time. And he starts telling this story in chapter two. He starts it in verse 12 of chapter two and kind of gets you into the story. But he tells it a little bit more in detail in chapter seven. So we're going to kind of bounce from chapter two to chapter seven. But he begins by saying, this is in chapter two, verse 13. He's like, listen, I need you to understand the state of my life at this point, was there was not even rest in my spirit. 
Mm. Like I couldn't even like, I was like, even like if there's no rest in your spirit, even when you're sleeping, you're not feeling rest, right? You wake up after eight hours and like you are like still exhausted. Yeah. He's like, yeah. it's that type of situation. And he goes in chapter seven, it starts talking in um, verse five. And he kind of explains a little bit deeper what's going on. And he had seven, left. you said? Chapter yeah, seven. chapter seven, verse five. And what happens is he, David explains like, he, we don't know exactly what happened, but something traumatic, something difficult, something messy happened. And he kind of walked away, still stuck in it. Like his heart couldn't get over it. Like he was still not sleeping because of it. And he was still like, could not find that rest that he needed. There was no resolution. And he finally comes back and it like, you can tell how like messy the situation is because he wants to say like, just so you know, we were troubled on every side. Like there was nowhere we could look that felt good. There was nowhere safe. Everywhere we looked, it was making us more anxious. And he even wants to say at the end, like there was fighting, it was messy. And even on the inside, we were afraid. Mm. So like looking around was scary, but like even our mind was just like, this is a lot. Like that we are going absolutely through it. Like he was really caught up. Yeah. In it. Yeah. You know? What you were saying earlier, right? You really can mentally get caught up in things you're afraid of, things that are going wrong, things that are. Yeah. It's so hard to get out of that cycle. Right. Like you're just in it like a washing machine and you're just yeah. like, I cannot get out of this. I cannot, like, where is my like spin out, my exit from this? You and know? he's I'm like, like, I'm looking around for one. Yeah. And there's just not. Like, I, oh, the inside is a mess, the outside is a mess. Everywhere he was looking, he was like, I'm stuck in that cycle. And what happens is then he wants to introduce you to this name for God that makes you want to cry because it's the cutest thing ever. Is he says, I was feeling like that. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down. Mm. He says, you want to know who I met when I was feeling like that? I met the God who comforts the ones who are on the floor, who are cast down, who are beaten up. I met him, that God. He's the one that showed up. And it's so interesting because he actually says he comforted us by the coming of Titus. He comforted us through someone else. Mm. Titus came with the good news. Yeah, He showed up and said, hey, let me help. And when I was reading it this time, it was so interesting because it made me wonder if Titus even knew how hurt Paul was. Mm. If Titus knew the battles that Paul was facing, that he couldn't even find rest in his spirit. Like, I wonder if Titus knew or if Titus just showed up. Mm. And it made me think of, there's this one time I um, got a call from people that I hadn't seen in a really long time, like probably at least six months. And I like answered the phone and it was these two girls and they were like, hey, Grace, Grace, like we have a cheer competition tomorrow. Like, what are you doing tomorrow? It was like 11.30 p.m. on a Friday night. And they were like, we have a cheer competition tomorrow. It's right in the morning. Like, we want you to come. Can you come? Can you come? And I was like, yes. Like, I was like, of course, I'll come. Like, for sure, I'll come. And right when I said it, one of the girls looked at her friend and said, see, I told you she would come. Mm. And it just makes me think, oh, I always want to be that person. Yeah. That's just going to show up. Yeah. They, they can just trust is going to come. And I wonder if that was Titus's personality. Yeah. That God said, oh, Titus will go. And he's going to show up with the good news. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. 
that no matter what is going on in Paul's head, even if Titus had no idea, he didn't know the background, he didn't know that he was desperate for help, God could call on Titus and say, hey, I need you to go here. Yeah. Even if you don't know the full story. Right. You can show up. Mm. I remember our, um, a friend of ours, Laurel, who's um, been a longtime friend, telling a story one time about imagining in her mind like a council in heaven, like the angels counseling over, you know, a heavenly council, like looking down on the earth and seeing somebody who's in a place that was troubled or whatever. And then like, what are we going to do? How are we going to help them? And then someone, you know, God just saying, don't worry, I have a daughter who can help out in a situation like this. Like I can just send her. And that like struck me when she told that, just that imaginate, imaginative, whatever <laughs> story or whatever the thought of, of that made me want to be available and made me just think about how powerful it is that we see this all over scripture that he says, God comforted us by sending Titus. Mm. You know, that Titus came as the comfort of God, a walking, talking comfort of, of God. And it reminds us, this will kind of spill into the, uh, not, don't move it yet because I want people to see this, even though you have already, into the next part a little bit, um, which we're going to talk about a, a title that um, Paul can gives to us as saints, a role that we get to play in the world. But he just says, I mean, this phrase right here is one that's just kind of become a uh, just a catchphrase in my life right now. I, I wrote a little bit about it on my Instagram, if you saw that. But um, one of Jack's friends, he had this group of friends that are all, most of them are headed off, you know, some graduating off to college and playing sports and, and whatever. Some of them figuring out what they want to do. And a lot of them are headed off on missions. And one of them was giving his farewell, Guai, and he said in his farewell talk, he was just like, when we was talking about what he's going to do as a missionary, he's like, I'm going to bring happy to their hearts. He told me after, I didn't even mean to say it. It just came out of me. And I was like, well, it's the best phrase that I've heard all summer long. Yeah. So, so great that work. was the best accident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best accident. He's like, that's what I'm actually going to do is to bring happy to, to people's heart. And um, I, if you're watching on the video, you see this picture up here of that group of boys who are all headed off to different places. Some of them as official missionaries and, and some of them, just graduating and leaving home with that same commission. Our job is to bring happy to other people's hearts. Like that's what we, that's what we do. And, and Paul gives that name in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3. He says this. Um, we'll start in 2. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You actually, like I wrote this letter, which later became scripture, Right? <laughs> Like when he says, you're my epistle, essentially what he's saying is what we understand as epistles is scripture. It's like through the scriptures, I know the workings of God. Through you, I know the workings of God. Through the scriptures, I learn about the character and the heart of Jesus. Through you, I learn about the character and the heart of Jesus. Through these words, I'm comforted. I receive answers to prayer. I receive impressions. And then through you, I receive answers to prayer. I receive comfort. I receive impressions. When he says, you're a living epistle, you're an epistle of God to all men. That is what he is. That's what he's saying. I actually said to this, some of these boys here headed off on, on missions that like, um, Paul would have written these letters and they would have shown up in the city and they would have just been like, this is evidence that God is watching out for us. 
And I, and I said to those boys, the second you step into a place, you are evidence of the love of God. You're the message of God. You're the letter of God written to that place because he's written it on your heart. He's, your, your moments of forgiveness have been written on your heart. Your moments of, of strength and mercy have been written on your heart. Like you're walking around as an evidence of those things. They're written on you. And you walk into a place and you're the letter and you can be read and, and, you, can, and you can speak. And, and this is what he says. You are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ in verse three, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Like I just imagine, I actually want to be a person that walks into a room and someone says like, you have got the word of God written all over you. Like you, not in tables of stone, but in that, in the fleshy tables of your heart, like your heart beats with the, with the love and the words and the mercies of God. And he says this, not we, when I say this, I don't think this verse five, we're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of us as ourselves. I'm not telling you that. In fact, sometimes there's missionaries out there who will knock on a door and someone's like, no, thank you. And they pompously walk away and say, well, that was their chance, you know, or something. And I want to say like, listen, I do not presume to think that I can represent like the full word of God here, anything or the last chance. But he says, our sufficiency is of God. He made us able ministers of the New Testament. Like he's, he, no, we're not talking anything about this. He's the one who, who turned us in, into this. And I, um, I think it's cool. I was watching um, Jenny Allen. She's a, um, a teacher of the Bible that um, I follow on Instagram. And she had this thing that came up the other day and she held up her scriptures. And she just said, um, in our battle for good, in our battle against evil, the greatest weapon God gave us is, is this. And she held up the scriptures. And then she says, the second best weapon he gave us is each other. Oh. And, I, and I actually am just putting together one-on-one. There's like, you actually could hold up both of them. This is an epistle of God, and you can be a living, walking, talking letter from God also. Um, oh, I wrote up on this next slide here. Do you want to click over for me, Gracie? Um, just some of the things that I think if God wrote that letter, what, what, what that would say in it, what his words might be in, in different situations. Um, if you want to, you can screenshot this. If you're watching on YouTube, um, these are also saved every single week inside the app. The PDF of this is saved. If some of these are, are helpful in there also, but just look at some of these as you like fly through this for just a second. Um, chapter one, verse four says he comforteth us in all tribulation that we may be able to comfort them, which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. That sounds like a little like Dr. Seuss, but <laughs> when you get down to what it's saying, it's just like he comforted us. And so I now know how to comfort others. And that same comfort and strength he poured into me is now able to like, right. I can pass it on to other people. So sometimes as a living epistle, we bring comfort chapter two, seven through eight. Um, he says this in here. He says, wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. Like sometimes as, an, as a living letter of God, you would confirm love to people, your own love and the love of God to somebody. Like that's actually something that you can do with people. And look at the verse before, it's so cute. And he says, maybe I would add this one. You ought rather to forgive 
and comfort them, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Oh, right. He's like, be careful because people could, there is a chance that people could be swallowed up in sorrow. It has that kind of power. It's like quicksand. Sorrow is. And sometimes the only thing that can pull someone from it, the only rope strong enough is, is, a, is a confirmation of, of love. And you can be that. Um, for one, he just says, don't give up on people. Mm. Right? Faint not. It's a way of saying, don't give up. Keep going. Um, 413, I think this one is, is, is such a neat thing to, to think to yourself, maybe to write in your notes, where he says, we have that spirit of faith according that has been written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We believe, therefore we speak. Mm. And to speak your belief, speak your belief into a situation. I do this thing every week called Who Won Church on my Instagram where people like their best line or whatever. And I'm not going to get it totally right because I just screenshotted it like an hour ago to post sometime tonight. <laughs> but it's, yeah, so I can't get it totally right. But um, she said, oh, I wonder if it's just in my pics, if I just screenshotted oh, it. Duh. Just going to be really close right here. Okay. They were talking about a situation where um, their nephew was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so there was a fundraiser event that they did to try and help cover the expenses. And so um, uh, a stranger came. It was this person's mother-in-law, but it was the nephew on the other side. So different sides of the family. They'd never met before. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, the mother-in-law showed up and walked up to the mother of the boy who had brain cancer. And walked up and introduced herself and said, hi, we're the kids and we're a family who believes in miracles. And I think that's so powerful for someone to like, this is some, to speak your belief about something, to come into a situation as a messenger, as a living letter of God and just say like, hey, you should know that we believe in miracles in our family and we're here. And, and I'm, I want to speak that strength and speak that belief into you. Um, okay, and then two other quick ones. 5.18, Jesus has called us, it says, All things are of God who hath reconciled himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That, that Jesus' purpose was to reconcile all of us to the Father and then now has passed on that to us. Reconcile, forgive make things better, teach people to give the benefit of the doubt, like all those kind of, of things. And then 520, I think this is one of my favorite ones of all. I can't remember if I've said all of them my favorite. If I have, I'm like channeling my inner <laughs> Emily, you know, to tell you what my favorite you is. Yeah, five favorite. This is five. <laughs> okay. Right? He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Mm. And what a cool discussion to have, maybe on one night, for a scripture study like do you know does everyone know what an ambassador is and what would an ambassador do what kind of authority what would an ambassador say you know what kind of authority do they have but you're an ambassador for christ as though god did beseech you by us and i want to read this other translation of that i just remember in my mind it being so good um by what was it 20 yeah where he just says this Do-do-do-do-do. Um, this I'm reading from the NIV and it says this, sorry, just scrolling down y'all. If you're <laughs> listening on the podcast, you're like, why is there a pause? Okay. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Right. 
And then that next line, we pray you in Christ's stead. Like in his behalf, we beg you as if he were here on bended knee, be reconciled to God. And what a powerful thought and idea to be <coughs> that living letter of, of the father, the father of mercies, the father of comfort, the father of strength, the father of forgiveness, like to be that to, to somebody else's. It's a, it's a ministry. It's a, I have a ministry of reconciliation. I have a ministry of, of confirming love, of bringing comfort. And I think this would be a really cool study to do, hand out some of these scriptures and to say, you know, and just explore and teach and talk about, man, what, what's, what would that mean? What would he say? What would the letter say? And how can I be a living, you know, version of that? Well, and I just love that it seems like this, like what we just talked about and the story with Titus, it just makes me want to think so much that... He loves to use us. Yeah. You know, like, I think that might be one of his like biggest thrills mm. when he says, oh, I can actually use you right now. Yeah. You could show up right now. This is going to be perfect. I have a son. Yeah. Who I can send. Yeah. You know, don't worry. Right. <coughs> don't you think he says that? Don't worry. Everyone. Yeah. I have a daughter who lives right down the street. Yeah. She'll show up to the cheer competition. Yeah. You it's know? just so cute that he's like, oh, don't worry. Like. You guys yeah. can do this. And, there, and, and, and we can because it's been written on us. Yeah. Right? I, the most forgiving people are the people who've been forgiven. The most merciful people are the people who've been bathed in mercy. The most loving people have known love their whole life, unfeigned, unrestrained. You know? And, and that's the thing. It's like they're written in my heart. You know? Like Which it, you, this would be, that is such a cool thought that you just almost want to say, do you, don't you want to take a second and just like write down, oh, what do you think is written on your heart? Mm. Like based on your life so far, what do you think he has written on your heart? Yeah. Right. You know? Ooh, yeah. Like what, what, what is he, what would he, what is, what is he written? Because it's going to be, it's going to be just yours because it's your heart. Yeah. And it's going to be good. That's what we want to yeah. remember, right? It's either going to be comforting or it's going to be loving. Yes. Or it's it's going to be a not giving up sort of spirit. Like, yeah. you know. It's not gonna, he's not going to say to heck with you. That's not going to be written on there. No. Right? Yeah. It's like last chance. Sorry. No. <laughs> yeah. Three strikes. No. Like none of that's going to be there. No. You know, belief in you is going to be written there. Reconciliation is going to be written there. Like you could just expect that those things are going to be written there. Now go yeah. write them yeah. on, on others, you know, at least speak them and then let me do the writing on their heart, you know, mm. but yeah. So though, man, those two are so awesome to think of. Okay. We have two more little thoughts here for... Second Corinthians. I told you it was so personal. You'd love this one. You didn't even believe me at the it beginning, really and now is. you do. You're so cute. It just makes <laughs> you want to cry so many times. I'm right. like, oh, so precious. Um, now we're going to be in Second Corinthians 5, chapter 5, verse 17. And it's so interesting coming off of that whole thought of like, what is Jesus writing on your heart? And I feel like there's some moments that... And maybe this is just me because I'm a mess and that's fine. I will just own up to that. But sometimes I just want to say, could you restart on mine? Like, I just need, mm -hmm. I just need a clean slate. Like, let me just have a do-over. Mm. Like, can my story, like, can my story be start, a start over yeah, right now? Right. And it's interesting because that's almost what this verse wants to say in my heart. And I, I, when I got baptized when I was eight, this is funny. <laughs> I legit thought. Like, I got baptized and went home that night, and I was like, this is going to be so easy. 
to like not sin the rest of my life. Like, you're like, I'm, this, I'm clean. You're like, well, I'm like I really like thought, like I almost like said, bring it on. Like essentially, I was just like, it can't be that hard. Like I don't know why. Like, I, I was like, I was already bored at eight years old to think like, oh my gosh, like it's gonna be so easy to live my whole life like without messing up or sin, you know. And then like that night, I like like totally raged on like my younger sister or something like that. And I remember going to my room and be like, I just need a do over. Yeah, like, can I get baptized one again? More, one more baptism. <laughs> I seriously was like, I just I'll be to... better next time. Yeah. Next one. I was like, oh, I, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I blew it on day one. Yeah, it's fine. Time. Me too, probably. It's okay. We all, we're just messy. But it's so cute because he almost anticipates that mindset, you know? And he starts talking mm-hmm. and he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Mm. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And it's almost as if he wants to say, oh, wait, actually, that's the purpose of Jesus, that he can actually give you a new start. Yeah. And it made me think of a couple years ago, I, um, me and a couple friends, we're in a McDonald's. We're just, don't worry about that. Just having a McFlurry, probably. It's fine. And we were sitting there and we were talking. And <laughs> it just made me think about going to that McDonald's in Israel. Oh Remember? my gosh. And there was the <laughs> kosher menu. We're like, we need. We just needed we need a McFlurry. Non- yeah, we need like, a McFlurry. Please, please, you guys. Because that's the best thing McDonald's sells. That was a good so memory. now for the rest of the lesson, you have to get McFlurry. That's yeah. the new rule. And um, we were all sitting there and we were kind of all at the age that you were just like trying to figure out your life. I'm still at that age, but Dang. we were. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine, it's fine. And we were kind of all talking about it. And then one of our friends kind of just started saying like, I don't know, like, I don't know what's next. And the more he got talking about it, like you could see that it like kind of, he was a little bit unraveling. And he just all of a sudden broke down and he opened up about, some habits that were messy and addiction and battles that he was facing that he was just like, I don't know what's going to be next because mm. I'm stuck in this right now. Mm. And I don't even, I can't even think about the future because my life is just this. And um, we sat there in this little corner booth of a McDonald's and probably had one of the most tender experiences um, with Jesus I've ever had in my life. And we sat there and we started talking about miracles and the ones that we read about in scripture, but also ones that we've seen in real life. Mm. And it was almost as if all of us just like banded together in faith and said, no, listen, Jesus is actually the one that gives you a future. Like if your future is with him, you are going to be fine. Like it's okay. Like all of this mess that you feel like you're in and all of these struggles that you feel like are making you stuck, you actually don't have to be stuck. That's who he is. And we had this, like, we were probably there for an hour and a half just sitting there. And um, I just want to say here, those verses we read about the ministry of reconciliation, I think that you just talked about what that looked like. To have somebody who said, I severed the relationship with God. Like, I ruined it. And then you came in as a minister of reconciliation in that group of friends, and and, and you said different. And I think... That's awesome. Sorry to interrupt, no. but like, I was like, that I think is what it means. And it comes right after. Yeah, it's, awesome, that's what right? I was just going to say. It's like, that's actually connected to the verses. Yeah. And it makes me just want to say this too, is it's a lot easier 
to be a minister of reconciliation when he's the one you're talking about. Yeah. We didn't even have to do anything mm-hmm. except talk about him. Mm-hmm. That's what changed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you got to be an ambassador, verse 20, for Christ. Yeah. Like, no one wants to be the ambassador, for, I should name a country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't do it, don't do it. But, don't say anything. I mean, there are some people that you don't want to be an ambassador for. Yeah. Right? For sure. Like, you're just like, oh, crud. I you're didn't like, want I don't that have job. anything to say. I don't right? have anything to say about that. Antarctica. Yeah. Is that safe? Not safe. Okay. Not safe. Um, or a person you would want to be an ambassador for. Yeah. But to be an ambassador for Christ and his kingdom. He makes it easy. Yeah. So easy to be one. Yeah. And we sat there that night and um, we all made little tiny, like, we were like, we're all going to pray for you every single day. Like we, like I like wrote his name on my calendar every single day and little things that we were like, okay, like we're in this with you. Like this isn't just your battle by yourself. But what happened after that night is um, we actually, I didn't see him for a really long time and like months and months and months. And I wasn't, we like, I didn't even, this is making me sound like a bad friend, but I didn't even, like, we didn't even text. Like, I didn't have any contact with him at all. And, um, but I was still praying for him every single day. And all of a sudden there was one Sunday and I was just sitting in church and um, I look up, I like heard the door open and I look up and this boy walks in and I like saw him and then I looked back and then I looked again and I know that my jaw was on the floor. And it was that boy from McDonald's. And I remember the first thought I had was, oh, something changed. Mm. Something changed. And I went up to him and I am not kidding you. I do not know if I have seen someone happier than that boy in my entire life. Mm. And he said, hey, I actually am different and things are working. And he started telling me his future plans and he had all of this stuff going for him. And he's like, yeah, like I'm figuring it out and I'm moving on. And it was almost as if I could see like physical evidence of his relationship with Jesus. Reconciled. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. He was different now. And I missed the middle part of his story. And I am sure that it was still messy. And I'm sure there were still slip ups. And I'm guessing there were days that were really, really hard. But when I think about that boy, all I can think about is exactly what this says. He's a new creature because mm. of Jesus. Mm. He's completely different. I saw it. I saw him change. From McDonald's to that church on Sunday, I saw him become someone new. And I think sometimes we get worried that maybe that's our story. Like it's like almost a little bit like, oh, I don't know. Like that was messy. I really was in a mess. And if you go to chapter seven, it starts talking about that feeling of being like, you know what? Like, I really did screw up. Like, I really did mess up. And um, in verse 10, it starts talking about godly sorrow and um, the godly sorrow that works for salvation, right? Mm -hmm. That like, that is the end goal is being saved and experiencing salvation. And it's almost like the most beautiful verse right under in verse 11. Well, and and I think you saw it in McDonald's where he was just that idea of like, oh, I'm, I'm not, Sad I broke commandments. I'm sad I broke a heart. I broke his heart. I broke a relationship. I like, like I, there's that kind of like, that godly, I think you saw a picture of it yeah. in McDonald's also with what he was like, you know, like I'm not sad I got caught or like people don't like, or whatever. It's just yeah. like, oh, like it was a heart level, like, but it led to 
a change. It led to that I, Sunday. I want it to be different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's even like this verse just explains that so well in verse 11 because it's going to go through and it's going to say, it's actually that thing is what changed everything. Mm. You know, that godly sorrow, that moment of pure desperation, you don't have to, you don't have to hate that moment. You actually get to love it mm. because that changed everything. Everything is different because you experienced that. Yeah. You don't have to be ashamed of that experience with Jesus. It could be your favorite one. Yeah, because there's both the distress, there's both the sorrow, but then there's also the yes we talked about, mm. you know? Yeah. We're like in that spot where he's like, oh man, I don't like where I am, but is there still a way back? Yes. Mm. Can things be different? Yes. Can I become someone new? Yes, right? It's just not like a sorrow that leads to death as a sorrow that leads can lead to life. There's a yes on the other side of it. And maybe it's actually just giving him the chance to write on your heart. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Then he's like, oh, actually, you can use this as evidence on your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Like this could be an experience that changes you, that marks you. Yeah. That makes yeah. you different because of me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Should, oh, should we read that one? Yeah, do you no, want to, did you have it? Do you yeah, want to read it I on just that? It because it's kind of here. confusing. Yeah. This one, I won't lie. This verse, so it's chapter 7, verse 11. You could read it in King, J- King James Version, and I did, and I was like, okay, but mostly I was confused. So we're going to read it in the translation, and then you can go back to King James, and it'll make a little more sense. Yeah, this is from the message. Um, in the Bible app. Yeah, in the Bible app. A paraphrased Bible is what the message is called, mm-hmm. and it says this. And now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which that distress moved you closer to God? You're more alive, more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, more responsible. Looked at from any angle, you've come out of this with purity of heart. And that is what I was hoping for in the first place when I wrote the letter. Mm. And just that, like, oh, look, that, that new thing that you've become. I think it's cool that in, uh, where were you before when you were first reading? Oh, five, chapter yeah, five, five, where he says old things pass away and all, and all things become new. I love just thinking about the things, maybe make a list, list the things that can die and list the things that don't next to each other. And habits can die mm. and addictions can die and sorrow and death can die, you know, and sin can die. But like, there are things that don't die, you know? Like you can look at your story and be like, there are some things in my heart right now that they actually can die, you know? But love doesn't die and hope doesn't die and, and, and opportunities to change don't die, you know? I just love this, just like, those things can die in you. They don't, they're not, they don't have resurrection power, mm. you know? Like Jesus does. And so you can have hope in that and whatever your condition or situation may be may look like um okay then verse five. Oh, and then i was gonna say can i just read this question in the journal why yeah. do you think god yes. wants to be involved in your story what an awesome question to ask yourself and other people as part of this discussion all right last little thought is in chapter five and there is this phrase that comes up in chapter seven verse one and it says this we're going to move backwards because it's funner to start with seven <laughs> And then go backwards and says, 
Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the, and it says fear of God. But remember in scripture, that means in the awe of God, right? And I put this little pickup on, onto our slideshow here of one of these kind of trains. I don't know what they're called. You don't have to, I can look it up after. You don't have to DM me, um, the locomotive kind of guy. Um, so if you're listening on the podcast, it's just one of those trains, you know, like from Polar Express where you ha- where they have to put the coal into it. And that's what fuels like the movement and momentum of this. And I thought about that with that chapter seven, verse one, where it just says these promises are the things that like motivate us. The, the promises of God are the fire in us that will lead us to cleanse ourselves, to perfect holiness in the awe of God. It's the awe of God and his character and his heart. Going back to that page that we filled out at the very beginning, the, my joy is, my motivation is, the fire in me comes from these promises of who God actually is. And I love that, that verse and that idea to say, you know, like, what is it that fires us up? What is it that motivates us to change? What, if it, what is mm. it that, and, it, and it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the penalty of, you know, and the punishment in that McDonald's. It was the story of Jesus. It was the promise of a better tomorrow and motivated him to do what he, to give his heart over to God, right? To turn back, you know, to, to repent means to turn. So paint me a picture of someone I want to turn to, right? Show me who it is I'm turning to, and I'm more likely to do that. You know, if I get tapped on the shoulder and you tell me it's a monster behind you, I don't want to turn, you know? But if you tell me who, like this glorious, gift-giving, all-compassionate being is, is, is behind me, I, I want to turn, right? Um, and the promises I thought we could look at, those promises at least that he gives, and this could be a good question, is like, what are some of the promises of God that motivate you, that, that light a fire in you? And here's some of the ones that, that he says. And actually, I want to, if I start in the beginning of chapter six, verse two, it says this, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. The old now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Um, I... Uh, if you look at that in um, in the NIV, where it says uh, it says this in that verse one um, or verse two, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now you can experience the change, the gift, the mercy, the joy, the love of God today. The day of salvation is not in the end it can be a day today today can be that day where you begin to experience that and and i love that he says just like you know he's like and we try to live that out in all aspects of our life in good and bad oh there it is in chapter six starting in four yeah all through that in stripes imprisonment Mm. in tumults in verse five in labors in watchings and fastings in pureness by knowledge and long suffering by kindness by our love unfeigned it's just like we, we we show we show the, the dedicated love of, of Jesus in the good times and in the bad times all throughout. And then at the very end, he gives these promises that I think are so awesome, where he just says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Like, what, what, what promises are the idols giving you? <laughs> what is it that they, pro- what better life do they promise mm. you? 
but you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, quote, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Come out from among them. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I will receive you. I will be a father unto you. You will be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Almighty is a a word to say, like, I I have all power. And and I use it as a father would use it for his own sons and his own daughters. You are heirs. You're, You're cared for, not as a creation, but as a child, like, and those promises is what he's talking about in chapter seven when he says these promises. Having these promises, let's, uh, let's just perfect holiness in the awe of God. Let's live differently. Let's live so that we can be epistles of him. Let's, you know, let's say what well, you're Well, And I love that he says, actually, let me tell you what it looks like to live. That's like, he like uses the first 10 verses and he's like, no, this is what it actually looks like to live. And it is going to be crazy and it is going to be wild and it is going to be hard work and it is going to be good days and it's going to be bad days and it's going to be things that you understand and things that you don't understand. There's going to be rich moments and there's going to be poor moments. There's going to be everything. Yeah. But the best treasure is that you're his. Yeah. And like, you know, what if you faced all of them like that and you let the bad moments and the good moments like change you into something holy? And what if that's what actually living looks like, you know? In awe of God, in awe of his promises. Just be fully alive in that. Right. No matter what the, the, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. It was like, if that's the constant, like it will, it'll change you. It'll make you more alive. It'll, it'll just all the above. Experience it all. Right. But you get to experience it with him. Yes. And maybe that will make it better. Oh, amen. 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 All right, y'all. We will see you next week for the second half of Second Corinthians. <laughs> this audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.